Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way. Let's have a discussion. Bullsh- yes! That escalated quickly. He seems to have a pathological shamelessness. It's black wrong. Uh, let me say it this way. This is the Brian Suits Show. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday practice, the 7th of July, 2022. Um, And uh, know it all coming up here at 7.15 so you can win your Friday practice and know everything you need to know. Why why is the Pac-12 disintegrating right before our very eyes? Well, talk to Pac-12 great Paul Moyer right after this uh, AM770 KTTH. Let's get you to work with our right-way traffic. Me clearing my throat. Hey, I'm seven seventy KTTH. Brian Suits here. Uh, we're about to be joined by Seattle Sports uh, Seahawks broadcaster, former Seahawk great at Arizona State safety, Paul Moyer. But first, some some highlights from nineteen eighty seven. Oh yeah, that's Paul Moyer, number twenty one safety, age twenty six, loves golf, hates beefcakes. I just love to meet him. I mean, I'm not a loner, but I do enjoy my time alone. I haven't had too many, you know, long relationships with women. You know, you obviously have to be some type of physically attracted to a girl to get to know her. But after- That's all I'm going to play. It's got to be... Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that was on King 5. That was on Evening with Penny Legate or whatever. Yes, I, 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 rem- I remember it well. I searched for C- Paul Moyer's Seahawk Highlights. And that's what came up. You gotta... No, no, that's what you chose. That's a big difference, <laughs> distinction there. You... There's plenty of highlights there. I'm thinking, <laughs> wait, he's he's going back uh, off 35 years ago, and that's the one he's pulling. <laughs> I, 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 there's a couple of touchdowns versus Dan Fouts and a few Hall of Famers. Uh, interceptions, but um, you'll have to send those to me. <laughs> I'm sure I'll find. <laughs> I actually remember. Uh, I, I remember your Fouts pick sixes. Um, there was yep. no, no chance of him chasing you down, but uh, no. Um, well, uh, you're on, of course. You're um, number twenty-one on the roster, number one in everyone's hearts. Paul Moyer, a former uh, Cairo broadcast partner. Of, I got to say, I think we did the world's greatest Seahawks post-game show. Well, we definitely had fun. I mean, we got to go back what into the '90s there when we were doing the uh, the pre post game with you, and uh, I think we did it the no, old... 2000. 2001. Was it two thousand? Yeah, wow. when FX McCory's was still open. That's why we did it there. Um, oh, wow. yeah. Okay, good. So, so uh, why is the Pac-12 uh, disintegrating before our very eyes? Yeah, where, 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 where did the Northwest schools wind up in all this? <laughs> Yeah, obviously the the easy ones, money, Um, you know, just the the changing landscape. Look, more than anything, it's just driven by football. And the West Coast, we know it. Other than University of Washington, Oregon, uh, occasional Arizona States at time, I mean, the the stands aren't packed. People aren't going, obviously, or or turning the TVs on to watch it. Uh, The time slots, um, certainly the, the previous commissioner and the TV deals that he put together for the Pac-12 put them behind. The SEC makes 200 and actually the Big Ten makes two, almost $240 million a year more than the Pac-12. I mean, that's just I, I got to say, yeah, the Pac-12 TV presence was laughable, really laughable. Yeah. And, and one of the biggest television markets in the entire world, and certainly in the United States, has two prominent Pac-12 teams. Now, 
they're gone and that market is gone. I feel like no one is just admitting that you you can't put a premium conference together without those two schools. Nobody in the Midwest or the East Coast cares about Oregon, Washington, uh, and then go down the list. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I think Washington's the only team left that carries, you know, a brand, you know, academically, what they do from a sporting standpoint. Not that they've had a lot of success, but the fan support, um, being in a top 15, you know, major metropolitan area. I mean, there, there's a lot of positive to University of Washington. Um, Oregon, look, it, it, other than don't take offense to your, your Oregon uh, fans out there, which there's probably not a lot. You know, and a nice, cute duck. But that used to be the worst academically and athletic football or college that I can remember growing up. No one wanted to go there. And they've done a nice job, obviously, turning that around. But I think Oregon and Washington have, have a brand that you could bring over. Uh, but the Pac-12, we, we know it's over. And, and Brian, it, where it gets worse, man, it, everybody says, you know, be careful what you w- wish for and paying all these athletes. It's going to trickle down to the other sports. You'll see less men's sports, which with, you know, the combination of Title IX ties with women's sports, you'll see less women's sports and scholarships. They can't put all their money in one basket, I don't think. So, you know, how do you spread that wealth around to other sports of basketball for these big schools now? So I think it's, uh, you know, 10 years from now, we we won't even recognize it. Five years from now, I'm not sure there's a pack. Yeah. I don't know if it's 8, 10, 12, 16. Yeah. One of the great advantages of the, of the Pac-8, 10, 12 was that all the schools were effectively in the same time zone. Um, now they're talking about some weird hybrid Pac-10, Pac whatever's going to be left, Pac-8, plus Atlantic Coast Conference, ACC stuff. And as a player, pro, pro and for the semi-pro Arizona State Sun Devils, uh, what what is that like flying across the country versus up and down the same time zone? Well, I I, I originally thought that was an op, an opportunity the, to make a, a power conference that would be appealing to TV. And so what you do is you do a strategic alliance, East Coast, you know, West Coast, ACC, PAC. And then you've got most of your non-conference schedules lined up at that point. Um, and you could do some stuff later in the year as well to make some marquee plays. I, I think it gets tougher. Are you going to send your gymnastics team across the country, uh, you know, to Clemson? Or your baseball team, you know, every other week to Miami and Florida State? I, I, I mean, the cost of that is going to be ridiculous. But... Um, I think the ACC and PAC, if the PAC and Big 12 can find a way to cherry pick the right teams and make a, a good PAC 16, 12, I don't even know, again, whatever the number is. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. the ACC and that alliance could work, but Brian, they had an alliance last year with the Big 10, the PAC 12, and the ACC that they were not going to steal each other's teams. That was less than one year ago. Nope. And nope. they got Oregon and, or excuse me, UCLA and USC. Well, they're whores. Can yeah. I ask a question here, Brian? Producer, producer Greg, producer in, on, Greg here. in on this conversation, uh, because I'm a huge college football fan, 
And uh, Paul, it seems like the spirit of the age when it comes to modern sports is an endless desire to tinker with things. Uh, You see that in pro football, moving the games to Thursdays, doing all kinds of different jerseys for different matchups. In baseball, there's all kinds of changes with the rules. And let's put a runner on second base and extra innings. And let's have a, a time clock in the background. College football here. Now we're going to shake up all these divisions. Where do you think this emanates from? One, do you agree with the premise? And two, is there anything that can be done about it? Because I'm a sucker for rich traditions and relics and nostalgia. And all of this seems to be a bit disorienting to me. Well, I mean, obviously, some of it has been let out of the bag. I, God, I, it's just. It's just where we are. I mean, obviously, you know, the money part, that's in it. And you're trying to package it in a certain amount of time with, you know, making some changes along the way. You know, for me, I think it's what's difficult. And you brought up the point tradition. Will I be as a college fan? Because I was a big college fan. I still am. uh, Football and basketball. Will I still be a college football fan? If there's nothing to play for, if there's no national Mm -hmm. title, if we're truly a mid-major, you've lost the whole West Coast. Because if you think that L.A., SC, UCLA, people care about SC and UCLA, you are mistaken. They don't care. And so, yeah, that'll be interesting for me. Um, Does it turn more into a basketball type of thing where you just say, hey, we're going to have these leagues with some playoffs. And then, you know, there's going to be 50 teams, 60 teams across the board invited to the playoffs. So I don't know. I, it's it's gone. The all the lovely things that we used to, and, and I don't even know if it's worse. I, you hear people say that all the time because I don't. It, it may it's going to be different. We know that. And for guys like me who just turned sixty, man, you've lost me. You're going to have to obviously find the new generation to build that fan base. Uh, all right. Uh, well, thanks for joining us this morning, man. Good good to uh, to get back with you. Next time you're in here, pop pop into the studio. Well, it's good to have you back. We'll uh, oh, great. we'll catch up on some old times. I'm heading off to work, so you make it a great day. And thanks for having me. All right, there he goes, former Arizona State great. We'll play off right uh, Paul Meyer. That's a joke. I bet you don't even know the Arizona One. State. <laughs> well, I do. I I know the whole song. Oh, I've never heard it. So, anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I'll sing it to you later. Uh, all right, there there he goes. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, we'll uh, take a break. Come back with uh, note all uh, some uh, d- d- horrific violence in Tacoma the last twenty four hours uh, and uh, home prices in the Seattle area now um, going down. It's uh, it's uh, it's a stat. We have it. I has it. Stats. I has it. We'll be back right after the same seven seventy KTTH. Let's get you to work with our right way traffic. First thing. First thing. 1987 Paul Moyer looks pretty hot in a tank top. I'm not a loner, but I do enjoy my time alone. So there you go. Um, Second thing. Already. Oh, wow. That was quick. (laughs) Second thing. Uh, Second thing. Auto thefts. Uh, We over, well, yesterday we were talking about over the 4th of July weekend. Uh, with uh, there, I'm going to round up to 44. 44 auto thefts during a single weekend in the Tacoma area is that considered high? Uh, well, no, never mind that number that weekend. Uh, just try 20, 2021 to this year, year over year, auto thefts up 88 percent. 
And in the uh, Tacoma area, it's uh, the last thing a car owner needs to deal with, getting their car stolen. Data from law enforcement agencies in Washington show car thefts are up significantly in more recent years than in previous ones. Uh, Close quote. You know, wild theory. Let me run this by you, producer producer Greg. I'm ready. Uh, Use car sales are through the roof. Cars mm-hmm. with no business with their sell, sale price, getting getting that amount of money, are getting that amount of money. Is this related to it somehow? It, when uh, when demand for used cars is up, is, is car theft up? I think it's twofold. That plays a role in this. But I also think it goes with the trend of more brazen criminality that we've been seeing around the Puget Sound uh, during the pandemic and up until now. And the villainization of police, which has led to a mass exodus of law enforcement. And I just think a lot of criminals think it's open season. I I think there's a lot to that. I think there's a heck of a lot to that. And Uh, there's videos all over social media. And yes, they're anecdotes, but uh, all across the country. There was a recent viral video of a restaurant in New York that had like a million views on Twitter yesterday of just people being absolutely outrageous, throwing things at people behind a counter, uh, destroying private property. Oh, yeah, the cheese fries place. Sickening stuff. And I know we're talking about car thefts here, but but I think this is a general kind of sentiment right now uh, amidst the criminal element. We can just get away with anything. Um, and that is your thing, too. Thing three. Third thing. Uh, this is a horrific tragedy down to Tacoma. 14-year-old girl uh, killed, and not not a lot of information about whether this was targeted, it was a drive-by or whatever. It, it's almost inconceivable that it would be targeted, but uh, Tacoma police with uh, a little more. Here's uh, Channel 4 with more on this. Tonight, police are searching for the person who shot and killed a 14-year-old girl in Tacoma. Investigators say the teen with other teens near South 19th Street and MLK Jr. Way when someone opened fire on them late this morning. Come with Paul Rivera's live at the scene. What have you learned, Paul? Well, we're at the scene right now, and it's been cleared out. Police have left the area. But right over there is where we've been told that they shot into a car full of juveniles, a 14-year-old being hit. And if we take a look right over here, this restaurant also hit by a bullet. So there's a Ezel's fried chicken there, and they they talked to the franchise owner, and uh, this was uh, evidently a a, a local kid in a car uh, from, from the neighborhood. I'm assuming that the entire neighborhood is stunned and shocked by this. Near 19th and MLK Junior Way, Tacoma police say someone shot into a car while kids were inside, hitting a 14-year-old girl, ultimately killing her. A bullet also hitting and shattering a window of Ezel's famous chicken. People also in that building. A guest had sat down to the table to eat, and they were standing there, and all of a sudden, bullets come through the building. The restaurant's co-founder, Lewis Rudd, is one of many frustrated in what's been a violent year for Tacoma. The question... When is enough enough? Yesterday, the last shooting, the shooting before that, that's when it's enough. From 19th and MLK Jr. Way, police say those in the car that was hit by bullets drove off to Ainsworth and 21st. First responders were called, but the girl died at the scene. So we're uh, waiting for a little more uh, out of uh, Tacoma, like uh, a suspect vehicle, a description, uh, something like that. Um, For for Tacoma, you go up and down the West Coast of the United States, um, and it's not until you get to L.A. that you find a, a, a single city that's had more than uh, 25 homicides.
And I mean, that's a number. That that's how you track it. I'm I'm a little unsure what the Tacoma police spokesperson means here by that. We've had a 14 year old female killed today, and we're asking for everyone's help getting that information they may have to our detectives. I don't like to talk numbers. Homicides aren't a number; they're an individual. So we have had 25 individuals killed in Tacoma this year. Okay, well that's not. Not talking about numbers, but but anyway, that that should that number should uh, be an alarm bell, and and I, I certainly hope it is because again, you know, I always say Seattle metastasizes, um, it, it 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 does. Tacoma has its own cancer going on right now, um, because uh, I I'd have to look back in in records, but <clears throat> I'm not sure mid year uh, that Tacoma has ever, uh, led Seattle in homicides, but there, there's something going on. And, and I do think producer Greg, I, I think this is really, you know, car theft and this is related. I, I, I think you're right. I, I think because local departments, uh, have been demonized over the past two years. Um, those, those, the, the men and women wearing the star or the badge aren't draftees. They can leave whenever they want. Um, and they have not felt welcome around here, and they're going. And I think I think we're paying the price. The veil of civilization is thin. It's a cliche, but there's a delicate oh, balance uh, of peace and tranquility that exists. And when you start to mess with it at its foundation, uh, all hell begins to break loose. I don't think that's hyperbole. Um, thing. Are we to think four already? Number four. Thing four. Fourth thing. Uh, thing for the Prime Minister of Great Britain, Boris Johnson of the Conservative Party over there, resigned this morning. I blame Black Rod. Black, Black Rod claimed responsibility um, in a in a terse announcement and in, in a re- remarkably refreshing uh, on-time press conference. Uh, he came out of Number Ten Downing Street and said, "It is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new." Prime Minister. And I've agreed with Sir Graham Brady, the chairman of our backbench MPs, that the process of choosing that new leader should begin now. Well, the guy came up with a big stick, hit him on the head. It's Black Rod. Open the door. So there, uh, I'll, I'll repeat what I said in the last hour, which you can uh, podcast by texting suits to 800-465-8770. Uh, I, I was struck by, I, I don't recall seeing another resignation live. I know they've done it, but then we only see highlights. But I, I saw it live this morning at 4.30, and I, I, I was struck by how la- what, what lack of ceremony there was. It, it was bereft of normal British puffery. It- and he was defiant. He was unapologetic. And basically, in summary, he said, But them's the breaks. 60 government officials had resigned up to this point, and 7 out of 10 British adults wanted him to resign. So his position was untenable. I really was. Honestly, I was I was expecting after Black Rod opened up Parliament. I never knew that. Oh, I, I think I, there's a straight line from us playing Black Rod on our show to him resigning. Yeah, no but I, I expected for somebody like that that like a, a beef eater wearing a sheep's bladder on his head would stick an ostrich feather in a cantaloupe or something very uniquely English like that. Before the prime minister's, did you? No, I've never looked really close. At his podium uh, for the prime minister's seal, it's also the, the queen's seal, I think. Uh, there's a r- roaring lion, you know, on his rear feet. It's called a lion rampant, right? And opposite him is a unicorn. Is there really? That's what I, I, I've never seen the horn. I thought it was a horsey. 
I thought it was, uh, of course, you know, the queen rides horses and all that. No, it was a unicorn. So that's my that's my takeaway. It's your trivia of the day. Yeah, that was that was Hockey's observation as well. Uh, as he as, as he she said, see, told you the unicorns. But uh, so anyway, <clears throat> uh, Boris Johnson resigning. He'll be sort of a caretaker, care, care, caretaker or caretaker. Um, and and again to bust the myth, Larry the cat belongs to. Number 10 Downing Street, not the Prime Minister. So Larry the Cat will remain at uh, number 10. Um, when we come back, uh, King and Pierce County home prices fall. Sellers are coming back down to earth because it's uh, rapidly becoming the murder capital of uh, the West Coast. Uh, that and more AM 770 KTTH. Uh, also, Dutch police are shooting tractors. No, really. Uh, that and, uh, and more when we come back. Let's get you to work. KTTH, uh, Brian Suits here. Uh, the fastest way, you know, really, to get the WNBA star Brittany Griner back here to freedom, to her wife here in the United States, is to raise her profile and send Al Sharpton. Um, I'm being a bit sarcastic. and You never. Everybody who is <clears throat> loudly going on national TV calling to free BG and all this, and, you know, it, it's really weird, but as I look back on his public career, it almost seems like Al Sharpton is in everything just for himself. It's, I don't know, I'm just, I'm seeing this pattern um, uh, sort of uh, develop. And <clears throat> because Russia doesn't care about um, her identity, her whatever, her tats, the WNBA or whatever. They care about getting the most that they can for her freedom, plus the other Americans that the that the Russians are holding. And they're, the brass ring is to get the arms dealer and uh, terrorist uh, supplying uh, Russian uh, arms dealer Victor Boot out of federal prison. In 2012, he was sentenced to 25 years, which is the minimum for assisting a terrorist organization fighting or and conspiring to kill Americans, you know, et cetera, because he's a bad guy. OK, he's a bad guy. And and this, this may shock you, but he is a personal friend of Vladimir Putin. And so this is personal. Putin wants him out. So, uh, you know, how do you play hardball? Do you do you have a press conference uh, in Phoenix uh, where her team is? Or do you do you uh, are you Al Sharpton? And you really think you're going to get a visa to, to go there? And apparently is, and 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 go there, uh, or or do you tell the family, tell everybody, listen, the, and and you heard it at the top of the hour news. Even the Russians are saying this doesn't help anything. The Russians are giving us better advice than that our own government is following. Um, you know, and I, I I understand. You know, for the performance part of it, you have to publicly be expressing solidarity, but it's coming out today that Joe Biden and the vice president called uh, Sherelle, her wife here in the U.S. It's like that. That should be a private phone call um, because all you're doing is making it harder to get her out. That That's that. Um, you know, if you, you want to play hardball, have Anthony Blinken call his counterpart the sarcastic gargoyle, Lavrov, their foreign minister, and say, ah, yeah, 
Victor Boot is on suicide watch, and now he's in uh, solitary confinement. So he's not, he's going to be incommunicado until uh, the near uh, future. And do that before they do, because that's what their next move is. They say, oh, well, we're very concerned about her mental health. You know, she's never been imprisoned like this and uh, not having a fun time here. And so we're putting her on suicide watch. That's that's uh, next. Here's a quote from Brittany Griner in a Russian court today. Where, quote, she, where she pled guilty. Yep. I plead guilty, Your Honor, but there was no intent. I didn't want to break the law. I'd like to give my testimony later. I need time to prepare. So this is not over yet. No. And again, she's being charged. It's a mandatory 10-year sentence for, for, for possessing the forbidden essences. Um, and uh, ABC News, Good Morning America, decided to uh, just play it on the down low. That's right. And Rachel, the White House working hard, they say, doing everything they can. What's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, and many supporters are calling for that prisoner swap, but this is a delicate balance for the Biden administration. On one hand, they do want to get Brittany Griner home as quickly as possible, but at the other hand, they really do not want to say anything that could possibly jeopardize her potential release. They are under immense pressure, and it's not just from Griner's family, but also from the family of Paul Whelan. They say Paul Whelan has written hundreds of letters to the Biden administration and other administration officials. They've been pleading for a meeting at the White House, a call from the president, and they say after more than three years, they are still waiting, George. Okay, thanks to both of you. Yeah, uh uh-huh. So the the family of Paul Whelan's got to be really happy that they're they're making it even on the on the one hand at least it, it's on the White House radar but but what's really on their radar is not appearing insensitive about a same sex uh, minority professional athlete uh, who chose to make part of a living in in Russia they they can't be seen I I don't get why they they don't feel like her family would understand. The way to get this done is to keep it on the down low and and up the pressure. Because now at this point, Putin gets to say he gets to shoot for the moon and say, oh, by the way, stop resupplying ammunition to the Ukrainians and she'll be on a plane today. And and now what? You know, if if we're we're prepared to trade one of the most infamous arms dealers since uh, Curtis Wright Export Corporation versus the United States um, in the 30s. Uh, then uh, you know they're they're going to say why not try it tell tell Zelensky you know trade Griner for Zelensky how about that and uh, we'll, we'll see how that works out uh, well farmers actually this, this is going to take a, a, a I'll do this in, in the next break and <clears throat> in Holland why are farmers spraying liquefied cow poo at the parliament <laughs> and why didn't the Canadian truckers do this by the way. Um, the uh, Dutch farmers are apparently the only people that understand how the future works. And the, the Dutch government doesn't. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, speaking of the future of the Seattle area housing market, offering home buyers new leverage. And so finally, if you're out there looking, um, you, you might have a little more power than you did because uh, more houses are sitting in the market. Fewer people are buying homes. And this is not a best mortgage yet, by the way. This is this is today's Seattle Times. Home prices in some areas are <gasps> dropping, according to new data released when Wednesday by the Northwest Multiple Listing Service. Uh, townhome developers, swanky condo towers are offering discounts, uh, etc. I am still shocked that anybody spends money on some of the really high end condos at like Third and Pike, just because they want, for some reason. Uh, 
uh, Pike Place Market access or, or whatever. And by the way, yesterday we're talking about Chinese money laundering in, in Vancouver. Um, it it was responsible for a lot of the home prices in Vancouver, Canada, going through the roof because the, the Chinese money launderers, one of their techniques was to pay double for a house owned, owned by somebody in the scam, part of the Vancouver model, and then they would refund that half, that double, uh, and take the, the value that they wanted. But they went on the books as a $1.7 million or $3.2 million sale, and then the house was empty. It, it stood empty hmm. for, for, several, hmm, um, for several years. So it did artificially do that. And they also, by the way... Uh, it's not unheard of for houses to be bought here in, in the Seattle area to establish Washington residency so your your kids can get a student visa and pay in-state tuition. Uh, at a West Coast, they do it in California, they do it in Portland, uh, do it in the Seattle area, um, by the way. All right, wait, when we come back, why are uh, Dutch police shooting real bullets at tractors and why are the tractors shooting real cow poo at the parliament? Um, the, the answer uh, may amuse those of you that are fans of food. Uh, back in a second, AM 770 KTTH. Let's get you to work with our right-way traffic. It's Black Rod. There you go. Black hockey. That's who it is. AM 770 KTTH. Brian Sips here. That's um, one of the most ambitious crossovers of all time. I know. <laughs> thank, thank you. It makes me sick. To it be makes honest. me sick, to be honest with you. Um, well, you know what makes me sick is the people who protest by blowing giant hoses of liquefied cow poo at the parliament. Except that it's uh, pretty darn funny. It's darn funny until the police start shooting at you with real bullets. Uh, Dutch farmers have had it up to here with the World Economic Forum um, openly boasting about planting people inside the Dutch government who who are just so positive that fertilizers are bad for humanity that they're they're talking about buying your farm so that it can go fallow, just so that you stop growing stuff. Uh, Dutch police fired shots at tractor-riding farmers <clears throat> who were protesting against plans to cut nitrogen emissions on Tuesday evening in the northern Netherlands, uh, which uh, is right next to Holland. Uh, police said they were responding to a threatening situation when the farmers who were attempting to push past a blockade and get onto a highway uh, started to drive their tractors into officers in their vehicles, whatever. Um, uh, according to the Friesland police, uh, their shots hit a tractor. No one was injured. Here's, here's what they're pissed about. <clears throat> um, they've been protesting government plans that could require farmers to use less fertilizer and reduce their livestock numbers which could force some farms uh, to shut. And, and so, so here, here's what the World Economic Forum doesn't care about, and here's what some, some Dutch uh, liberal fascists don't understand either. It is the, and the world's going to find out in, in, in a few months when access to the normal carrying capacity of the planet Earth's food system uh, that we have relied on for the past 50 years uh, is is cuddly, suddenly cut. And, and, and by the way, for the record, folks, drought doesn't cause famine. There has to be some other interruption. Um, see, Ethiopia in, in the mid-'80s, there was a civil war, okay? The, 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 so there's that. And that's happening right now. 
uh, in, in Ukraine, in, in the world's breadbasket in, in, in Russia and Ukraine, there's a interruption in wheat deliveries. The Turks actually seized one of the uh, a, a cargo ship with stolen Ukrainian grain. It was Russian flagged. And uh, as usual, Putin got in a special Erdogan hotline. And uh, within 24 hours, the Turks released it. The Ukrainians are pissed. But but so so anyway, the Dutch plan is to cut fertilizer. And nitrogen emissions, right? Or- because that is what you get with ammonium nitrate, which is the most productive fertilizer used around the world. Right now, as we speak, there is a laboratory called Sri Lanka that a year ago, their their idiot prime minister stood in front of the UN for, as an applause line, and he said, Sri Lanka will be the first country to forswear and never, ever use chemical fertilizer again. A year later, they're starving because ammonium nitrate, the most productive and common fertilizer made around the world, is responsible for about one-third of the world's food. And this this is... Uh, corn, wheat, it's without fertilizing, you know, Kennewick or Kansas or Ukraine, there is at least one third less food on the planet Earth at the end of the year um, to for for harvest. And that's that. that that's that is what modern farming techniques have done is is that we courtesy of ammonium nitrate and other fertilizers but primarily ammonium nitrate we are able to feed far more people than would normally eat in a year we're about to see that and so um i salute the dutch farmers uh, in 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 doing this and uh, because you know in the eu <clears throat> this is becoming a thing and they import uh, wheat from Ukraine and Russia and all that. They also grow a tremendous amount of food in in France and Germany, Italy, and they, you know they they grow food, but they all use fertilizers, and so you have crazy green people that are in charge of governments who don't understand this, and they're saying, oh, but the nitrogen emissions, uh, or or whatever. <clears throat> um, the it's funny because. Two days ago, there was a r- remarkable streak of common sense coming out of the EU, where they said they they reclassified dams and nuclear as green. Whoa, <laughs> that's something. Um, and and I mean, part part of the reason is there's this embarrassing example called France, which. On a typical day here in the middle of the summer, at least 90% of the electricity in France is nuclear because they they learned their lesson with the embargo of the 70s. Um, don't rely on that part of the world um, or the oily part of the world uh, for your power. The, uh, meanwhile, uh, six months ago, the Germans shut down two nuclear power plants. Um, on the eve of Russia invading Ukraine and uh, and and the whole thing, uh, they shut down nuclear plants. And, and now uh, Russia is within a month of Europe freezing all all winter long, because this is the time of year that you buy natural gas from Russia and you stick it in the ground so that your people don't freeze in November and December. And Putin has slowed the natural gas down. 
Um, and that's from the traditional Nord Stream 1 uh, pipeline. Uh, as it happens, natural gas is the leading component in, in making uh, ammonium nitrate. So just the, the cell phones around the world, and, and this is in spite of an example that you can point to. There's food riots in Sri Lanka because they, they haven't grown nearly as much rice as they normally do because they haven't fertilized it. Uh, India also panicking, absolutely wondering um, where are they going to get their food because Sri Lanka grew a bunch of the rice too. Uh, and so now now you have the situation where the the G7 came up with this idiotic plan about, oh, you should tell Russia what the cap that will pay for their fossil fuels are. India said, well, yeah, no, um, because now the G20 meeting, and India is part of the G20, and then awkward, so is Russia, um, and, and the whole thing. <clears throat> and the Indians have said, we're, we're, that's stupid. We're not going to do that. And part of the reason is India said, you know, let us remind you over here, we buy weapons from Russia. We don't want to damage Russia. Their gas is still cheaper now that only India and China are buying it or, or, or are getting a cheaper price anyway. No, we're not going to pay a cap. And let the Germans freeze their kids in December. If they want to, if they want to try that, if they want to go to their, their drug dealer and say, oh, all right, uh, 200 bucks for a gram or whatever. I'm I'm not paying more than 150. All right, see how that see how that gets you. Um, so that's that's going to be happening. Uh, They're uh, calling for an emergency debate over there with the Dutch Prime Minister <laughs> and Minister of Justice and Security. Uh, as you said, in addition to spraying the poopy, uh, Dutch farmers have blocked supermarkets, distribution centers, and roads in protests all week long. And I'm and you know I I can't overemphasize this. They're backing. A fertilizing trailer up up to apparently the front door of the Ministry of Agriculture, and with a about an eight inch hose, <laughs> just spraying the brownest, chunkiest uh, liquid you've ever seen, and it's piling up in front of the door. I mean, we are still smelling a lot of oh, in the air. It's totally, totally the uh, the uh, the best protest I've ever seen. Uh, and so, uh, anyway. Um, well, uh, speaking of flashbacks, you see someone actually walking away with a cheesecake there after the cheesecake factory was looted. Mm, um, no idea where they unclear where they may have gotten that, but unclear where they got that cow poop, uh, here at the Ministry of Agriculture for the Netherlands. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, police firing live rounds back at the farmers on that one. So I'm sure that'll come right down. Uh, all right, when uh, we come back next hour, um, some uh, some more the FBI director in London with the uh, director of the British MI5 in an unprecedented press conference yesterday talking about something a, a, a couple hours after I was talking about it on the, on the show. Uh, what is the Vancouver model? We'll uh, be back uh, with that and some more. AM 770 KTTH. Brian C. here with producer Greg Letts. Get to work with the right way traffic. Mm-hmm.